This is Max Gop. I'm the fourth best barista in the nation, and you're listening to The People's Podcast. Welcome to episode 40 of The People Podcast, where we are rolling on with the coffee-inspired episodes. In episode 38, we talked to Amin Anjadani and learned about Bomani and the world of hard coffee. Last week, in episode 39, we talked to one of the winners of the 2022 U.S. Barista Championship, Brian Overstreet. This week, in episode 40, we're talking to another winner from the same competition. Introducing Meg Scop. Meg's story is unique because unlike every other winner at this year's competition, she entered as an independent. Nevertheless, she took the challenge head on and dazzled the judges with her coffee. So let's get to it and hear from this week's featured guest, Meg Scop. Meg, thanks for joining the show. How's it going? It's going great. Super excited to be here. Thank you. It's really exciting to have you on the show. Now, I imagine you have a strong relationship with coffee by now, but let's start with how that all first started for you. When was the first time you tried coffee and what were your initial thoughts? Oh, wow. We're going we're going far back. Um, so hilariously enough, when I was a kid, I, so I grew up in the Midwest. So my parents are from Chicago, but I grew up in Wisconsin and there was a grocery store that we would go to called Jewel and they had like a little sample station with like little four ounce cups of coffee. And so when we would go to Jewel, I would be super excited because they also had like the mini carts there as well. So I would like have the mini kids cart and I would get my coffee <laughs> and and of course I would put like tons of sugar in it. But that was like the, my first introduction to coffee as a kid. I feel like that's how most kids start is uh, putting a lot of sugar in it and not really experiencing yeah. it as it's supposed to be experienced, I guess. But um, yeah. from that moment to, you know, kind of building your relationship with coffee, when did you start to get really passionate about it and learning more about it? So in college, I was just looking for a part-time job and ended up working at Starbucks. And so my mom had worked at Starbucks when I was like uh, in um, like middle school. And so I had like kind of been familiar with it. And honestly, the main thing was that I was like, I can get health benefits at Starbucks. So I'm going to work there because I can only work there 20 hours a week and get those benefits. Um, little did I know my manager was this really awesome person who was super into coffee and would do like tastings with us and like said, just like really sparked, uh, I feel like a passion for coffee and, and I hadn't really experienced that before. And so that was kind of like my intro was like, I was like, oh wow, this is like someone can actually care a lot about making this. And so that was my first experience, um, delving into like actually a career barista. And by now, you have made countless cups of coffee over the years. So now, what to you makes the perfect cup of coffee? Oh, wow. I feel like that's definitely a loaded question. I feel like there's so many um, people have so many different preferences and and like ways that they like coffee and like roasts that they like. And so I like I do think it is definitely important to like that the person makes it how they like it. Um, but there is also like a science to it. And so like, if you're, you're tasting your coffee every day, making sure that it tastes good, you're using the TDS to test it and make sure that it is within a good range. And so I feel like those things kind of all come together 
to make the perfect cup of coffee. And at home, I am definitely, um, I drink a Kalita every day. So like I wake up and I, that's what I make and, um, and just kind of take the time to dial in and make sure that it's like the perfect recipe. I love that. Yeah, we certainly all have our own preferences and whatnot. I think for me, I'm probably leaning more towards a vanilla latte these days, iced vanilla latte yeah. to be specific. But um, yeah, <laughs> it, it's interesting to hear what you start your day with. Um, but how about the U.S. Barista Championship? We got to talk about this. Um, when did winning this competition first become a goal for you? When I first started, um, so I actually moved to California to take a job with Equator Coffee. And um, my boss at the time was a competitor. And so that's kind of what sparked my interest. And they were like, we think you have the personality for it. We think you could totally do it. And I was like really inspired by her performance. And, um, and she actually placed third in, um, the, in the U.S., so the national competition. And so it was like it felt like it was palpable, like that I could, that I could do it if I did kind of the same process that she did, like I could do as well. And so um, my first year, I did make it to nationals, but I didn't make it into semifinals. And so it was a it was a great experience to but it was definitely hard because I was like, wow, I worked so hard for this. And then I didn't make it into semifinals, but it kind of just fueled my desire to do better, you know. And so I was like really ready. I was like, I'm going to do better next year. And so I kind of have just progressively gotten better with each year that I've done it. So my first year, I made it to nationals. My second year, I made it to semifinals. And then this past season, I made it to finals, which was super cool. And it was actually my goal. I was like, this year, I'm going to make it to finals. And then I did it. It's interesting because it's a competition that I think a lot of people don't know about, but for baristas like yourself, when they initially hear about it, it's got to spark their interest. And I know this requires some serious, intense practice. And I saw on your Instagram that at one point, your coach made you do 24 run-throughs in a single day. (laughs) What did you learn about yourself during such intense practice sessions like that? Um. I feel like your emotional resilience is a huge thing. Like if you're dedicated to something, it's pretty crazy what you can accomplish. And that was definitely like a a very exhausting day mentally, but uh, it really is. The more you practice, like you're guaranteed to not, not only like feel better about your performance, but probably do better for sure. And it just is like, like I have definitely been like exhausted mentally, but it's really rewarding at the same time. And so it's worth it for sure. How did you initially find a coach? And can you kind of take me a little bit behind the scenes of what a practice session is like, you know, because people practice all sorts of things. And I imagine you're making different cups of coffee countless times, but what exactly were you doing to practice for the competition? Definitely. Um, so I, I feel like it kind of like, and now that I've done it a few times, I like have a very specific thing that like a, a very specific process. And so one of the first things that you are thinking about is, you know, what you want to communicate, you know, cause you want, you kind of, it's kind of like giving a Ted talk. Like you got to talk the whole time you're making these coffees in the 15 minutes that you have. And so like, that's always one of the first things that I tackle is like, what is my thesis basically. And like, what do I want to communicate? And, um, 
I, so like I went to school for journalism and so like writing is something that I really love to do. And so writing a script for competition is definitely one of my most favorite things to do. And so that's kind of where I start is like, what do I want to communicate? And then when you start practicing, you know, you, it's all about like setting it up with that script. So you're thinking about like where you want to say things and when, and like having it, you know, relate to the the course that you're in and like how you want to talk about that course. And so the practicing is like when you first begin, it's a lot of like tasting the coffee. And so like trying to figure out like what recipe your coffee tastes best at. And then it's tasting a bunch of different ingredients for your signature beverage because the signature beverage has to be has to have synergy. So basically, you need to use ingredients that then equal something that's different than what you're tasting. So it's like, you can have, you know, like I had my signature beverage was um, elderflower tonic water, a tea concentrate that I made, um, and a shrub. And so like, even though all those ingredients are really good on their own, I needed the drink to then turn into something different. So you do so much tasting, like an exotic, like this time around, uh, my coach and I, I think tasted like 35 different variations of these ingredients. And so it's a lot, a lot of like, it's, like definitely you get palate fatigue like I'll like taste something and I'm like I can't taste anymore (laughs) you know and so um then you kind of get to that point where you have these different pieces of your routine and then you can put them all together and then make a cohesive thing so you kind of practice like your courses individually first so it's like you go through your espresso course you go through your milk beverage course you go through the signature drink and then you kind of put it all together and that's where it starts to feel really good because then you're like, wow, I have this whole routine and I'm memorizing everything and it's coming together, you know? That is a lot of different variations to go through and and the palate fatigue totally makes sense. I can totally see that. (laughs) But uh, uh, Meg, one thing that really stood out to me about your participation is that a lot of people, they compete from a particular coffee shop, but you entered the competition as an independent. And not only that, I believe you were the only winner this year who was independent. Competing independently is really rewarding. And I think one thing about it is that, um, if, you know, like I, the success is riding on my shoulders. You know what I mean? Like I don't really have anyone to let down except for myself. So it's kind of funny. It's like, it's kind of like this dynamic where it's almost better than competing for a company because you don't have to worry about like if you don't do as well as you want. Like, not that like a a company would be like you didn't do well you know or anything like that but it definitely has a heavier feeling to it like when you're competing representing a company you know and so by just representing myself I feel like I found a lot of freedom in that and and was able to kind of experiment with things a little bit more and so um I definitely am like really proud of myself because I got so far independently but it's definitely my support system here is incredible like St. Frank has basically welcomed me as their employee because that's the coffee that I use and you know they opened up their roasting space for me to practice in and then Jason uh, Jason Yo was my coach and Jason works for St. Frank and so while I am independent it definitely wasn't it was definitely still a collaborative process for sure. 
Well, it's great that you had a big supporting cast with you, and I'm sure you made them very proud throughout this whole process. But um, let's talk about the actual competition, Meg, because, you know, it really puts baristas through a lot. You have 15 minutes to make a total of 12 drinks for multiple different judges. And I noticed that at the uh, beginning of your presentation, you talked about what coffee speaks to you. And you said that it's usually been a Kenyan coffee. What is it about Kenyan coffee that speaks to you so much? Well, the first the first time that I tried a Kenyan coffee, I was like really impressed by, I was like, the acidity is really amazing. And like some Kenyan coffees, you like can kind of get like even like hints of tomato. And I thought that was really interesting. And I went, and I just like was such a varied coffee. And so I feel like that in addition, like the way it tasted, but then also like where it came from was really interesting to me. And that's something that St. Frank does really a really good job at is like creating relationships with their producers and having a relationship with Kenyan producers is like pretty rare because it usually is an auctioned process. And so that's how, that's how importers buy Kenyan coffee. And so why having this relationship with St. Frank, it was able to like connect me a little bit more to the farmer. And I thought that was really awesome. And, um, you know, it's, it's a very colonial process, you know, like getting coffee from Kenya has definitely had, you know, not the best history. And so kind of being able to represent it, like feels really good to me you know like if I can talk about the amazing things that this coffee does and what these farmers do I feel like it can maybe shed light on like the amazing thing the amazing coffee that they can produce now your ability to identify different kinds of coffee and blends sounds incredible have you gotten to the point where your palate is so refined that you can tell like oh this is a Kenyan coffee this is a South American coffee this is an Italian coffee I can say that, like, my palate is actually, I feel like I am pretty confident in being able to, like, say where the coffee is from. And so, like, I would say, like, I'm right about that uh, a lot of the times, which is which is a really wild thing to have. Like, I'll be like, oh, yeah, this is, like, a South American coffee. And when I started realizing that I could actually pick apart the, the tasting notes and like kind of figure out the origin. I was like, this is really crazy. And I was like, really good feeling. That is what all that practice has led to the, the 24 yeah. run throughs and all these years of practicing. It's all paying off and things like that. That's so cool. Yeah, um, definitely. A, another thing, Meg, I noticed from your presentation is when you use a frozen spoon to stir your espresso drinks. And you said it's because that gives the ideal flavor experience. Now, this is something I've never heard of. So can you kind of explain why that is? Yeah, definitely. Um, so espresso, you know, espresso machines, definitely are set at a high temperature and so your espresso is usually really hot and while it is you know espresso is like typically like consumed pretty quickly um a lot of times it needs to cool for you to experience some of the more delicate and um more nuanced tasting notes and so like getting it down to a a lower temperature is usually a little bit more pleasant and it's usually and the thing about competition too is where you get the most points is your espresso course. 
And so like you want your tasting notes to be super accurate. And so that's where you kind of have that opportunity to like score a lot of points. And so getting it down to like a temperature where you're really, it's really easy to name those flavor calls that's kind of the most important thing. And so um, if you, if you look at a lot of other routines, like a lot of people are using frozen spoons or they're, they're telling the judges to stir a certain amount of times. Like my first routine that I did, um, I told them to stir like 15 times. So it would like get down to like a better temperature. And so like getting it down to that temperature where you're like, those flavor calls are just so apparent is where you're going to score those points. It's really such an exact science, it sounds like, making coffee, especially at this level. And another thing that was really stood out to me in this regard was when you would be making coffee and you'd say like, oh, this one is going to be 18 grams in, 40 grams out in 27 seconds. And then another drink was like 19 grams in, 36 grams out in 25 seconds. What do those numbers mean and how does that change the coffee? Yeah, definitely. That's a, I feel like that's a great question. It's it really, um, you know, you change your recipe depending on like where it tastes best. And so like that kind of comes, that's kind of where all that tasting comes from is you taste it at all these different ratios to see where the coffee shines the best. And so the, the recipe that I had for the espresso course and the signature beverage were actually the same recipe. And so like one thing I did is I just made um, one a little bit faster. So basically, that just made it kind of, it brought, brings out enhanced the acidity, which made it perfect for the signature drink. Whereas if they were tasting it just for espresso, it probably would have been a little bit too acidic. And so kind of finding, you're looking for that sweet spot. And then like with the milk horse, I made 36 grams out instead of the 42 that I normally did. And so what that does is it increases the viscosity so it can stand up to the milk a little bit better. So because you want, you don't want your coffee to get lost in the milk because that can definitely happen. Like, because you're only doing, you're pull, even though you're pulling doubles, you're using the single shot for each of those beverages. And so it's a lot, a lot of times, if you your milk beverage, if you have too much milk, then you can't taste the coffee enough. And so like you want to increase the viscosity so that it, you still get all those great flavor calls for your milk course. I love hearing about this because it's all new to me. You know, as someone that's a very amateur barista at best, I'm, I'm putting my espresso in my coffee maker and brewing my cups. But to hear it at this level is so cool that there's really no detail that you miss. And um, we got to lastly talk about your signature drink. We kind of touched on this a little bit, but I know this is the barista's opportunity to really get creative and showcase their skill set. So can you tell me a little bit more about your pea berry drink and how you ultimately decided to go with that? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I actually used this Kenyan, the same Kenyan coffee um, for the season before this last one. So I was a little bit familiar with it. And so um, pea berries are there's only one coffee bean inside the cherry so like normally it's two and so all you know what they always say is that pea berries are like a more concentrated version of that coffee and I have definitely experienced that like they are definitely different and I've sorted coffee just to use like the smallest pea berries too um, but I felt like that worked out perfectly because I needed something that was concentrated for the signature course. 
And so that is, that's kind of where I started with that. I was like, okay, I'm going to use the pea berry for this course because it's more concentrated. And then you kind of where I start with the signature beverage is I'll taste the coffee. I come up with what, what it normally tastes like. And then I buy ingredients that are kind of like that. So like, I was experiencing, um, like, you can definitely have, like, grapefruit or red fruit, you know, like, plums or nectarines. And so that's why I ended up buying um, a plum shrub, uh, which is, like, a vinegar-based beverage that you can – it's kind of like a mixer. Um, And so that's when I, like, started experimenting with that to, like, I'm like, okay, what does it taste like? So that's kind of where my process ended up. And then using, like, different teas. And things like that. So I ended up using a tea that was um, spearmint, tarragon. Um, oh my god, I have totally forgot what the last one is. Tarragon and mint. And so those. So I made a concentrate with that, and it paired so well with the coffee that I was like, "This is perfect." Um, and so it's just kind of like tasting all these different things to then come up with something new. And the drink ended up being. Uh, like very effervescent because of the elderflower tonic Um, and it tasted kind of like tart green apple and had like a violet florality to it and so it was like really interesting and super tasty well so you make the espresso drink you make the milk drink you make the signature drink and you end up as one of the winners but i know that you probably still got docked points at certain points of your routine now i was joking with brian one of the winners as well in last week's episode talking about how I had heard that judges can dock points for simple things like touching your face even. And he said that he didn't didn't get docked points for that. But is that something you got docked points for? And do you remember what a few things were that you did? Yeah, one. So one thing is I, I wear glasses. And so this year I was like, no glasses contacts because I'm always like pushing up my glasses on my nose. And I was like, no, none of that this year. I'm not touching my face. And so I was, so I was pretty good at math. Um, and I normally, te- I normally score pretty high in like professionalism. So that would be like how you present yourself, like what you know, like if you're dressed in like professional clothing or you know anything like that. And so honestly, where I missed the most points. Um, was my espresso course and some of it was just like some of my flavor calls weren't super accurate and honestly one of the that's one of the hardest parts is like you get this practice time and you get to practice and like taste your coffee and then a few hours later then you have to do your routine and things can change in that part and so you're kind of just like hoping that your recipe and everything is still accurate and it's kind of it's like getting those points is is definitely difficult you know because you, you things can change so quickly yeah it sounds like a lot to go through but that is great strategy by you in recognizing the whole glasses thing and, and being like i gotta go contacts because this might yeah. mess me up that's really smart <laughs> um yeah well meg you kind of look back on this process and you've had a long journey in the coffee industry but when you look ahead what would you say is next for you I definitely, I, I came away, so they, they released the, like the YouTube of the performances a few weeks ago. And so I watched it right away. I watched my final performance, you know, cause I was like, okay, I'm ready. 
I'm ready to watch myself and not cringe, you know? And so I went through it and it was really inspiring for what I want to do next year, you know? And like, I think that was the takeaway. The biggest takeaway is that I was, I watched it and I was like, okay, next year I know that like when I'm not doing anything, I want to make sure that I'm always smiling and like and really warm. And like, I want to make sure, and I want to make this more of a year long process, you know, cause a lot of, this was a really fast year. Like normally you have a qualifying round that gets you into nationals and then you have nationals. But this year was a little bit different cause I'd been on pause cause of COVID. And so because it was so fast, I feel like there were definitely things that like I would have figured out if I had had a qualifying round, you know? And so that's kind of why I was like, this needs to be more of a year long process. Like I need to be thinking about like flavors and like cocktails and like what drink would work best. And like, and then also like thinking about coffees, like, do I want to use a Kenyan coffee again? Or do I want, you know, to use multiple coffees? Cause I use the same coffee, just different um, screen sizes. And so I feel like the biggest takeaway was that I'm ready to do it again, you know? Well, I love that you're already looking ahead, and I'm really excited to see the competition and see how you compete there. Um, But, Meg, i got to say thank you so much for joining the show. It was so much fun hearing about your journey, and I hope we can catch up uh, over a cup of coffee sometime. Yeah, definitely. I'd love that. Thank you so much for having me. Another awesome conversation with another awesome barista. As a big time coffee drinker, I am fascinated by the US Barista Championship, so it has been a lot of fun to highlight the competition on the show. Thanks to Meg for the fun chat, and thanks to all of you for listening. Episode 40 is in the books, but I will talk to you all next Wednesday for the next installment of the People Podcast.